Hello and welcome to another episode of 10 Podcast Lane. In this episode, we look into the actual occurrences that happened at 112 Ocean Drive in the Amityville Horror, Part 1. So I'm sure you're all aware of and fans of the Amityville Horror. It is a staple in the horror genre. But in this episode, we aren't looking into the story we know. We're going to look into the story that preceded the Lutz family moving in. Before this, the house was lived in by Ronald DeFeo Sr., Louise DeFeo, and their five children, Ronald Jr., Don, Allison, Mark, and John Matthew. The DeFeo family, to outsiders, looked pretty normal. Ronald Sr. worked at a Buick dealership, and Louise was a stay-at-home mom with their five kids. Ronald Butch DeFeo Jr. was the eldest of those kids. Ronald DeFeo Sr. was known to have an extremely bad temper. He was successful as a car salesman, but that was in mainly due to his bullyish demeanor. He frequently fought with his wife and was known to frequently lash out at his kids as well, often beating his wife and kids unmercilessly. Ronald DeFeo Jr. didn't have the best of starts in life, and to add to this, he was overweight. So in addition to his troubles at home, he was frequently picked on at school. An unhappy kid all around, he began to lash out at those around him, including his father. Obviously, his parents became concerned. I presume the concern was from Louise, as Ronald Sr. was the cause of this. They started to take him in for psychology evaluations and to speak to counsellors. This did not help, and instead, they resorted to offering incentives for good behaviour, usually cash. Unfortunately, to try and escape his feelings, the money was not used for good and instead used to buy drugs. He was given a position at the Buick dealership by his father, who paid him weekly whether he showed up to work or not. This did nothing to resolve the hatred between the two of them. At this time also, as well as buying drugs, he began gun collecting, which led to two incidents, where he threatened a friend with a rifle on a hunting trip, as you do. And shortly thereafter, he attempted to shoot his father, as both his parents were in one of their regular heated arguments. Butch pulled a shotgun on his father, whom luckily enough for him, the gun didn't fire, even though Butch had pulled the trigger. The bad luck did not stop here though, and the Buick dealership caught on to DeFeo's embezzlement worries that he had been occurring. The police came to question DeFeo Jr. at work, and the man was very unhappy, to say the least. At that point, he threatened to kill his father. No one believed him, or took him seriously. Then, 
On November 13, 1974, Butch took one of the guns he'd acquired, a 35 caliber Marlin rifle, and proceeded to execute his family. The parents were attacked first while they lay in bed. Ronald Sr. was able to put up a struggle, getting to his feet and attempting to counterattack on his assassins after he was initially shot. A second bullet passed through him before he was able to reach the murderer. Louise lay in bed and was then shot. She was screaming for help as she slowly bled to death. Butch then, apparently, shot a second bullet into her, killing her instantly. The next to suffer were Mark and John Anthony, whom were both shot as they lay face down in their beds. After this, Alison and Don were murdered, again found face down and shot with the 35 Marlin. All six of the victims were found face down in their beds with no signs of a struggle. The police investigation concluded that the rifle had no suppressor and found no evidence that the family were drugged. DeFeo claimed during his interrogation and in one of his many changing statements that he had drugged his family. However, the autopsy report showed no signs of this, the doctor having said, We did intense toxicology not only of the blood and urine, but on all the organs that were removed, and it turned up zero that there was anything in their body, Dr. Adelman explained. Even the neighbours reported that they didn't hear any gunshots, and one family stating they only heard DeFeo's dog barking. Following this, DeFeo showered, got dressed, and simply went to work as normal. Obviously enough, Ronald Sr. didn't show up for work that day. Butch called home, pretending he was concerned about his father's absence. Unsurprisingly, there was no answer, and DeFeo Jr. continued on with his work as normal. It wasn't until 6 o'clock that evening that Robert DeFeo Jr. called a friend, telling that friend his home had been broken into and that his family were all killed in their beds. This friend called the police, who arrived promptly at the DeFeo home. During questioning, Butch made ludicrous allegations that it was a mafia hit on his family, but the police weren't buying that for a second, and only had eyes on DeFeo as a suspect. The following day, he confessed to carrying out the killings himself and told detectives, once I started, I just couldn't stop. It went so fast. He admitted to taking a bath, getting dressed and gave a detailed account as to where he discarded crucial evidence such as blood-stained clothes, the Marlin rifle and cartridges before going to work as usual. After his arrest, DeFeo's trial began on October 14, 1975, 
He and his defence lawyer, William Weber, pleaded a defence by insanity, with DeFeo claiming that he killed his family in self-defence because he heard their voices plotting against him. The insanity plea was supported by the psychiatrist for the defence, Daniel Schwartz. However, the psychiatrist for the prosecution, Dr. Harold Zolan, maintained that although DeFeo was a user of heroin and LSD, he had antisocial personality disorder and was aware of his actions at the time of the crime. Judge Thomas Stark stated that these killings were, quote, the most heinous murders committed in Suffolk County since its founding. On November 21st, 1975, DeFeo was found guilty on six counts of second degree murder. And on December 4th, 1975, Judge Thomas Stark sentenced DeFeo to six sentences of 25 years to life, where he served his sentence at the Sullivan Correctional Facility in the town of Fallsburg, New York, until his death at the age of 69 on March 12th, 2021, after being transferred to the Albany Medical Center. Now, this is where the story should end, but this is not the case, due to allegations DeFeo made in an interview in the year 2000. On November 30th, 2000, in an interview with Rick Osuna, Ronald DeFeo Jr. claimed that he had committed the murders with his sister Dawn and two friends, Augie De Janeiro and Bobby Kelsk, as a last resort because his parents had plotted to kill him. Allegedly, DeFeo claimed that after a furious row with his father, he and his sister planned to kill their parents and were supposed to bring the kids to their grandparents' house. But unbeknownst to him, Don murdered the children in order to eliminate them as witnesses. Butch claimed he was not in the house at the time of the children's murders, as he was giving chase to one of his friends in order to lure him back to assist with the cleanup. Even while feigning insanity at trial, Butch DeFeo never admitted to shooting the children. Upon his return to the scene of the crime, Butch was beyond enraged at the senseless, unplanned murder of the children and confronted Dawn in her third floor bedroom. After a screaming match, there was a tussle for the gun, where Butch got the upper hand and slammed Dawn down against the bed, knocking her out. As she lay unconscious on the bed, Butch placed the rifle to the back of her head and fired. This is where he stated the murder spree ended. During the post-mortem examination of Dawn, it was discovered that she had unburned powder burns on her nightgown, which further supports the claims made by Butch that his sister was in fact involved in the murders and that he didn't act alone. After this, 112 Ocean Drive was boarded up with all the furniture and belongings still inside and would remain empty for 13 months. They would find it impossible to find a buyer. That was until a certain family came along and offered an amount 
that they couldn't resist. And that brings us to the end of another episode of 10 Podcast Lane. It's the first time I've done a two-part episode like this, so it's a little bit different. Um, I know it's only a short enough episode, but still, um, I like keeping them short. That's the uh, the little niche we have going here. They're little short bursts of energy. So it uh, keeps you wanting more. Um, and these are all recorded well in advance for the first time in 10 podcast lane history. So um, by the time these come out, there should be enough episodes wrote for uh, weeks and weeks in advance. And um, if I get enough backdated, I might actually end up releasing like two a week, some weeks. But um, until then, I hope you enjoyed this episode and uh, look forward to part two. And until next time, aim for the bushes. <laughs>